Thank you guys for being here. Again, we're going to continue. Go ahead and find Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles as we get ready. And I want to say to all of the guys in the house, uh, all of the husbands, if you were here last week and you're back here this week, way to go. Uh, You didn't come up with some lame excuse for why you weren't going to show up today and listen to what God's Word has to say to us as husbands because you listened to what it said to wives last week. And I know there was this temptation to be like, ah, maybe I won't have to come next week so I don't have to listen to, uh, to what it is that we're, that's for me. So if you are here, awesome, kudos, way to go. Thanks for not being a wimp. Okay? So uh, we're going to continue looking in Ephesians 5. And that's really what we're doing at this point in this series is we're taking what Paul instructs husbands and wives in their relationship with each other uh, in Ephesians 5, breaking it down bit by bit, verse by verse. And last week we looked at Paul's instructions to wives in verses 22 through 24 of chapter 5, and we saw that the role of submission in a marriage has nothing to do with a wife being less than her husband, being inferior to her husband, or being uh, beneath her husband. In the eyes of God at all, it has everything to do with her high and beautiful calling of fulfilling the space that she has been fitted by the Lord to fill in the marriage, to submit herself to the leadership that God has given her husband over her. And we, I hope that you clearly understood the model from Scripture as opposed to what the world wants to think about what the Bible says about husbands and wives, because the model of leadership in a marriage, I want you to think about this this morning, really is a picture of the character of God in the Trinity. We know that we understand as best we can the concept of the triune God, that there is one God, but there is three persons in the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of those are equally divine, right? There is not one who is less or more God than the other, yet each one of those are moving and working in different roles and in different positions. We see Jesus, the Son, submitting himself to the leadership of the Father. The Spirit operates under the authority of the Son. And so that same picture of God in the fact that he doesn't contradict his own authority, but the roles of all of the persons of the Trinity work in complement to each other. And so that same model being applied to marriage, to families, that same model also being applied to leadership in the church. And so we see that when everyone is operating in their proper and fitting role, that it creates a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so we saw that instruction to wives last week, this morning, We're going to begin to look at Paul's instructions to husbands. Last week we saw that scripture very plainly says that the husband is the head of the wife. And so what does that look like? Now Paul is going to expound and say, well, what does that look like to carry that weight of leadership? Because that's a heavy role. That's an important role to play. So what is that supposed to look like? So... Over today and next Sunday, just to give you a map of where we're going, we're going to be looking at 
verses 25 through 30 in Ephesians 5, today and next Sunday, which, as we said before, is double the instruction that Paul gives wives. He gives wives three verses. There are six verses that he specifically addresses to husbands and that lets us know, guys, that what he has to say to us is extremely important. So today we're going to focus on verses 25 through 27, and then next Sunday when you come back, we'll look at verses 28 through 30. But in these six verses, we're going to see four different descriptions or four different distinct instructions as to what does a godly husband's love for his wife look like? What does it do? So open up your Bibles with me. We're going to look in verses 25 through 27 and, and let that be the focus this morning. So verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So guys, here's the first command and here's the good news. There's only one command here. There's only one command given to husbands on how to treat their wives, and it is this, to love your wife. Just love your wife. Everything that he's going to talk about boils down to that one command, love your wife. And some of you may think, well, that's easy enough. I got that. There's one thing that we should notice that the command does not say. In the culture that Paul was addressing, in the the culture that the church was, was coming up in, the, the whole idea of men loving their wives wasn't necessarily automatic. I mean, in, in, in that culture, um, wives were, and women were very much considered um, by some men to be more of a possession than something to be cared for and loved. And so this was revolutionary stuff. When he says, love your wives, marriages were often arranged and put together for societal reasons, for convenience, for uh, family reasons. And so this issue of loving your wife was kind of revolutionary for some guys who would have heard this. But he's just instructed wives to submit to the leadership of their husbands, right? So if you were a first century guy in this day, you would almost expect Paul to follow up after telling wives to submit to the leadership of their husbands, he would say to the husbands, husbands rule over your wives. Well, that's not what he says. He doesn't say husbands rule over your wives. He doesn't say subject your wives to yourself. He doesn't say control your wives. He says love your wives. So the command is to love. Well, how are we supposed to love? He follows that up. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So here's a, here's a clue here, guys. Immediately, Paul is letting us know that the love that we are being called to give, we can't give by ourselves. It doesn't come from us. He says, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. The only way a husband can love his wife like Jesus loves is if he has Jesus inside of him. 
apart from the Holy Spirit, the instruction that Paul's about to give us doesn't work. It's impossible for someone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ in him. So we can, we, you remember when we talked about, we, we studied 1 Corinthians 13, and we talked about the different Greek words there are for different kinds of love. There was a romantic love. There was a family-type love. There was a, a friendship, brotherhood kind of love. You can love people in all of those ways without the Spirit. You can experience romantic love with, with your wife. You can, you can have those, that family kind of love with your wife. You can experience those other ones, but you can't show agape love without the Spirit of God. Because agape is the character of God. It's that love that comes only from Him. And this is the love when Paul says, Husbands, love your wives. It's that word agape. So you can't agape love anyone without Jesus. So the, the question I want to hit you with right here at the beginning, husbands, is do you have that love in you? Do you know that you have a relationship with the Lord? Because you're going to hear these instructions. And if, and if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you hear these instructions and you're trying your best to love your wife like this and, and you're not a believer, you're going to struggle with it. You're not going to be able to do it. You're going to be frustrated. You're, it's it's going to be too hard. Because you're not capable. And so the first thing we need to evaluate is what is the status of our relationship with God? Have we given our lives to Christ? Have we, as men, surrendered to the gospel? Are we true believers and children of God? Now, if we, the answer to that is yes, then good news even though this may sound difficult, you have the capability to do it because the Spirit is what drives us and gives us the ability to love as Jesus loved. So if you are a believer, then good news, you can do this. But if you're not, and you know you're not, you can try your best. But the other stuff, you're not going to hit the mark because you're incapable of it. The Spirit is what makes us capable of loving as Jesus loved. So let's look at verse 25 and see specifically what this, what this looks like. Again, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, if Paul had stopped halfway through that verse, if Paul had said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, period, then what that would be like would be like unpacking a big Lego set and dumping it all out on the table and going, okay, put it together. Y'all ever done that? I mean, you remember when you were kids, or maybe some of us have small kids, and you've done Legos, or maybe you're a grown-up nerd, and you still do Legos. That's okay. I, I would, I'm right there with you. Open that joker up, open those bags, pour them all out on the table, and it's the pieces everywhere. And imagine just having a big pile of bricks... And pieces, and then you've got the picture on the box, and that's all you have. You're going to struggle putting that thing together because there's so many different pieces. So when Paul says, "Husbands, love your wives," that is him dumping the pieces out on the table. Love your wives. Here it is. 
Then he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, how, what is it supposed to look like when I put it together? Well, here's the picture on the box. Okay, so love your wives as Christ loved the church. Here's the picture on the box. This is what it's supposed to look like. But now, after that, he pulls out the little instruction book that comes out of the box. Right? You, in, in the Legos, you've, you've got the, the book, and it tells you. Here you got piece by piece. This is how you put it together. And so, guys, what he's about to do, he's dumped out the bricks. We see the picture on the box. Love my wife like Christ loved the church. So now he's about to tell us, how do we start putting it together? And what does he say at the end of that verse? And gave himself for her. There's instruction number one. A husband's love must sacrifice. When he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, it is a call to sacrifice. Jesus' love for the church was completely sacrificial, and so should a husband's love for his wife. Now, here's the next question. You're saying, well, what am I supposed to sacrifice? You ready? Everything. Whoa. Don't go crazy. What are you talking about? Everything. I mean everything. You say, well, that sounds crazy. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Let me ask you this question. Was there anything that Jesus refused to sacrifice for you? At any point in his mission to save you, did Jesus ever come across every, anything where he would say, nope, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving that up. Scripture says that he poured himself out. He emptied himself. And so when you empty something, that means that there's nothing left in it. Whatever was in it, once it's emptied, it's all gone. For husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church means that we are willing to empty ourselves in sacrifice for our wives. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul writes and says, I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. So here's the model. Paul says, I am in Christ. I'm crucified with him. The life that I live is now Christ living through me. For Christ to live through me, he loved me. And gave himself up for me. For him to live himself out in my life, I have to love people, namely here my wife, and give myself for her. I'm pretty literal when it comes to interpreting what the scripture says here, guys. And I, and I, I give this instruction to every couple, whoever sits down with me to, to counsel before I do a wedding. And I will look at the guy and I will say, you understand that for you to fill your role as a Christian husband, you have to be willing to die for your wife. And that's not being dramatic. That's just what it says. We have to be willing to give everything, even our very life. Because Jesus... When you think about the way Jesus sacrificed for the church, he didn't just take on the act of sacrifice. 
he became sacrifice. Like he didn't just take on the act, he took on the identity. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is all about. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. He became the sacrifice. And so we have to be willing to love our wives in that same way. And, and some of us don't have a problem with that. And we're like, yes, I love my wife passionately. Yes, you're right, I would die for her. Here's another point, though, that we need to remember when we make that bold statement. We say, yes, I would die for my wife. I've told my wife I would give my life for her. If you'll sacrifice your life, you'll also sacrifice your like. Um, I've got a playlist that I like listening to in the car. It's like my 90s high school playlist. And it's songs that were on the charts from 1990 to 1994 which is when we were in high school. And so I play that in the car. And one of those songs is Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. I'm singing it, and, I'll, and it'll get to that bridge, you know, the bridge of the song, and I'll reach over and I'll grab Kim's, Kim's hand. I'm just singing it, top of my lungs. Yeah, I would fight for you. And you're like, yeah. But then he says, I lie for you. Now, I don't recommend that one. Because you, you're... You're probably getting bigger trouble with that one. Like, I fight for you. I lie for you. Walk the wire for you. Yeah, I die for you. <laughs> and you're like, like that was not good. Stop clapping. <laughs> but you're like grabbing your hand and you'll sing that song and you'll be like, yeah, and you get fired up. You die for her, but you won't give her the remote control. (laughs) You'll fight about that. I want the last donut. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like we we will say, yes, we'll tell our wives, yes, I would die for you. But but then it's the little stuff that we don't want to let go of. It's the stuff that really doesn't even matter. If we'll sacrifice our life, then that means we'll also sacrifice our life. We will watch HGTV. We will let her watch it. If that's what she likes, I'll sacrifice that. That's no big deal. I know where she likes to eat. Well, I'll eat there. It's all good. Because that's, that stuff matters. That's all part of the sacrifice. There's the big sacrifice, but there's also the call to the little sacrifice to give up ourselves for them. And here's the other thing about the sacrifice. The sacrifice that Jesus gives for the church has so much grace in it. Romans 5.8 says, But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it says this is how God proved his love for us. In that while we were sinners, not when we were making him happy, not when we were doing everything the way he wanted us to, not when we were pretty, but when we were ugly and rebellious and sinful, at the peak of our sinfulness, 
God proved how much he loved us by dying for us. Jesus didn't sacrifice for the church because we earned it or because we always made him happy. The world, guys, will tell us in relationships with our wives or ladies that will tell you the same thing in your relationship with your husbands that once our spouse stops meeting our needs, once they stop making us feel a certain kind of way, once they stop doing the things that we want them to do, if those things ever changes, the, change the feelings and, and what they do and how they respond to us, if those things change and we don't feel fulfilled, that we can move on to the next person. We can find someone else who will give us those feelings we're looking for. We'll find somebody else who will serve us the way we want to be served. And that just is not the picture that we find in Scripture. Church, God has called us to a higher standard to not let our marriages be disposable because we're not getting what we want. And I'm afraid that the mentality of the world is slowly creeping its way into the church and we are forgetting that there is a covenant that we have been called to. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. God proved his love for the church in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He's saying to husbands, husbands, let the love that you have for your wife be as solid of a covenant as the love that God has for you. And I want to say something to the young guys, like the ones of you who maybe are even just dating and you've, or, or you think you're going to get married one day, or maybe you're engaged, you've got a fiancé. Here's my advice to you that I think comes from, from what Paul is trying to say here. Don't pick the girl that loves you the best and gives you the most. Like, don't decide you're going to marry the girl who makes you the happiest. Marry the girl that you can't help but love even if she didn't love you at all. Pick the one that... If she just completely shut down on you, that wouldn't stop you from loving her and caring about her. Because that's the picture that we see in the scriptures of the way God loves the church. That's how he loved Israel all the way through their history. They turned their back on him over and over and over. And he was like, you're mine. You belong to me. I love you. And I'm not letting you go. Don't just pick the girl that, that loves you the way you want to be loved. Pick the girl that you can't imagine not loving. Like you couldn't stop loving her even if you wanted to. So there's a call to sacrifice here for husbands, that we love our wives and sacrifice. Big sacrifice, little sacrifice. But what's the purpose of that? Like why should we sacrifice? Why should we love our wives this way? Just just because it said so, no. Well, it says so because there's a purpose involved in it. Look at verses 26 and 27. He continues this thought, and he says, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? Verse 26. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. The first instruction for putting it together is 
A husband's love must sacrifice. The second one is here. A husband's love must purify. Jesus gave himself for his bride so that we could be holy and set apart, that we could be pure, so that when we stood before the Father, he would see not our dirty sinfulness, but he would see our purity because of Christ's blood over us. The cross cleanses us, makes us pure before God, that we can stand with no barriers, beautifully clean. And that happens through the Word. The Word brings us understanding of the gospel. Then we are made Christ's bride through salvation and then through his sacrifice. Through the blood of his sacrifice, we are made clean so that we can stand before him without any blemish. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Guys, God has given the husband the responsibility to guard, nurture, and maintain the holiness the virtue and the purity of our wives. Our love sacrifices, and the purpose of that sacrifice is to maintain and guard and nurture her holiness as a child of God, her virtue as a woman, and her purity. And we do that emotionally, we do that physically, we do that spiritually. We nurture and guard the purity of our, of our wives' spiritual life. We are given responsibility for that. To teach, to lead, and to nurture her relationship with Jesus. But I'm afraid that what's happened in too many households, even Christian households, is that husbands have relinquished that role to their wives. And at very best, have left our wives to work out and figure out their relationship with God all on their own without any help from us, without any leadership from us. And when that happens, what tends to happen is it it trickles down all into the family. And then we have mom being the one making sure everybody's getting up and coming to church on Sunday. Or mom is the one who is talking to the kids about spiritual things. And mom is the one reading the Bible stories to them. And teaching them the word. And dad is just kind of there. That picture comes, it, it starts with us missing the responsibility that, that we have to guard, care for, and nurture the spiritual growth. Not just of our own life, but the growth of our wives. We teach the word. We, we train them in the word. That is our responsibility. That's the role that we've been given. That leadership. So we nurture her spiritually. We also nurture our wives emotionally by paying attention to the things that bring them joy. What is it that brings your wife joy? Figure out what that is and make it a priority. It can be anything. Flowers bring my wife joy. So I've told you all before, all I have to do is when I'm in Kroger, buy a little $4 thing of Alstroemeria and take it home and... And I'm awesome if I do that. If I just pay attention. 
do you know what she orders at Starbucks? If you were to go by and get something for her and she's not there to tell you how she likes it, do you know? You ought to. You ought to know. Know what she likes. What are the things that bring her joy? And then pay attention to that stuff. Make it a priority. Uh, Express your gratitude to her for the things that she does. Sometimes our wives feel the most detached from us because we're just not paying attention to all the stuff that she does. And sometimes it's a simple thank you. Hey, I noticed that you did this today. I noticed what you do in our family, and it's awesome. That goes a long way to offer gratitude to her, to tell her that you love her, not just when she does something nice for you. Every day, don't ever let a day go by that those words don't come out of your mouth to your wife. Don't ever go a whole day and not tell your wife that you love her. Tell her that she's beautiful, not just when she spent an hour and a half in the bathroom getting ready. Tell her when she's a mess that she's the most beautiful thing on the planet. And this is the hardest one probably for us guys is just listen. Like put the phone down and listen when she's trying to talk. When she's trying to tell you something. Like pause Netflix for a second and just pay attention. Like Kim Welcher will tell you that I struggle with that one the most of any of them. Because we have this default mode when they're talking and trying to tell us something about their day or they're talking to us about something. And we can very easily, we're good at it. We can, "Mm -hmm, mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm." And it's Charlie Brown's teacher. (laughs) That's all we hear. But we can act like we're engaged. But then when they do that thing where they stop talking and they go, what did I just say? (laughs) And then you're like, oh, man. Sometimes we can save, you know, pull it out because we've been paying enough attention that we can repeat what we've heard, but we really weren't listening. Those are the kind of emotional things that I think that we're called to do as husbands to, to nurture our wives. And then we're also called to protect and, and make, maintain her purity and guard her purity, not just emotionally and spiritually, but physically as well. And we've already said that husbands should be willing to die for their wives, and we think that's true. We believe that. But it's not just that we're called to be our wives' bodyguards. There's, there's a deeper aspect to, to guarding her physically. It has to do with meeting her needs physically, providing for her. It also means that we are called to guard our wives' purity, not just in, in everything else, but husbands, we are also given the role and the, and the responsibility of guarding the sexual purity of our wives. And you may think, well, why aren't we talking about that? Well, like we're married. Why is that a deal? No, it's totally a deal. You are to guard the sexual purity of your wife so that Satan does not come in and tempt her. To tempt her eyes to start looking other places, her mind to start drifting, her heart to go other places. We have to provide, guard that, and care for it. I want to say this to the young guys too. 
I hope y'all are paying attention. I hope y'all don't think this is just for the old married guys. Like, this is so for you. If you're, if you're dating, if you've got a girlfriend, you've got a fiancé, I want to tell you the truth. Asking her to compromise her sexual purity for you is not love. If you say you love Jesus and you say you believe this book, don't ever try to convince your fiancé or your girlfriend that she's supposed to give something to you because of love that is contrary to what this book says. That is not. You are not loving her when you do that. You are being selfish. That is not sacrifice. That's the opposite. That is not guarding her and making her, making, guarding her purity. That is the opposite. If we try to induce our wives into anything that compromises their purity, we fail to properly love her the way Jesus loves the church. His desire is for us to be pure. And so we have to guard. We are given as leaders in our home responsibilities to guard the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional purity of our wives. So I'll end with with this. We are to love our wives in a way that leads them to love Jesus even more than us. Yes, you, you may think, yeah, I'm supposed to love my wives in a way that makes them love Jesus. Absolutely, but here's the kicker. Do you love your wife in a way so much that you want to see her love Jesus more than she loves you? Not just, I want her to love Jesus as much as she loves me or loves, love me as much as she loves Jesus. No, no, that's not, that's not the call here. The call here is to love your wife because you want to see her fall in love with Jesus even more than she's in love with you. Now, if that's your target, that honors the Lord. We, we set the example. We lead our wives in their faith. We challenge them to grow. We challenge our wives, and we are responsible for for growing spiritually together as a couple, but we are also responsible in making sure that our wives are growing in their individual relationship with Jesus so much that if she had to choose between Jesus and me, she would choose Jesus. So husbands, are you... Loving your wife sacrificially. What are you giving up for her good? For her joy, for her pleasure, for her safety, for her purity. What are you laying down? What is it that you've refused to sacrifice before? And then we see this picture of Jesus sacrificing for the church and he sacrifices everything. 